I will speak to you in the name of the God who was and is and is to come, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Please be seated. All of us suffer from temptation. It's pretty much impossible to be a living, breathing human being and not sometimes find yourself tempted to do something that you know you should not do. Now that Lent has arrived, one of the chief Lenten disciplines a lot of people take on during the Lenten season involves giving up something they are tempted to eat that they know is not good for them. I can remember many years back when I was a lot younger, I gave up Coca-Cola one year. And I gave it up because the truth of the matter was I was pretty much addicted to it. When I was around 21 or 22 years old, I would literally drink three cans of Coke at least a day. Three, usually one in the late morning, one around lunchtime, and one for dinner. So to try to give up Coca-Cola for 40 days was just a huge challenge for me, chiefly because there was really no place I could go anywhere that I was not tempted to drink a bottle or a can or a glass everywhere I looked. And thinking back on it over the course of this past week, I seem to remember that I failed that Lenten discipline quite terribly that year. And like Coca-Cola, one of the other items lots of Christians try to give up for Lent is chocolate or sweets. This is difficult too, especially if you're one of those people who has a sweet tooth. And really, all of us Americans just love our sugars and our sweets, which is why we are a country that suffers tremendously from obesity. And that certainly reveals just how serious temptation is as it lurks in and out of our culture. And this just begins to show us how hard taking on this kind of Lenten discipline can be and the difficult work it requires constantly to resist the temptation of giving in and failing after we've decided to fast and give something up. Let's go back to that struggle that all of us have with obesity. The problem we face, as we all know, comes from having cheap, easy, accessible high-fat, high-sugar, high-salt foods. They're right there in front of us no matter where we go. Even if you go to Whole Foods, there they are staring at you. And whether we admit it or not, we like them. So therefore, we can easily find ways to eat them and then eat too many of them. And it isn't really that the foods themselves are that bad. A can of Coca-Cola or a slice of A really good chocolate cake in moderation is perfectly okay. The problem is when we suddenly find we cannot stop eating those things and our chemical and physiological balance is thrown off, causing us to go up in weight and, of course, down in our physical health. Now, you can pretty much apply that to about anything. To have a glass of wine or a pint of Guinness, maybe, is perfectly fine if we just have one and keep our drinking within moderation. But to have too much throws off that balance pretty quickly and leads us possibly into addiction and alcoholism. To enjoy going out to buy a new shirt or a new pair of shoes when it's a necessity and we've got money put away is perfectly fine. But to go out and shop constantly because it's making us feel good and fulfilled when we really don't have the money will eventually throw off the balance of our finances and our bank account, leading us 
deeper into debt and with more bills that eventually has the same potential to ruin our life. And just pick out about anything else that we human beings like to do, from the good things to the bad things to the downright ugly things. And the same warning applies. The goal of life is to always keep everything in balance. Your physical, your mental, your social, and your spiritual lives need that balance to sustain you. And each of those areas can start slipping into a very negative direction anytime something pulls us away from the other and causes us to fall out of balance. Now, this morning for the first Sunday in the season of Lent, we have landed right in the middle of a story where I believe Jesus is working to sustain his own divine balance with both the physical world and the spiritual for the good of reconnecting and reestablishing God's intention for creation. This is definitely one of my favorite stories from the Gospels, though the version we get this year from Mark's Gospel is missing a few of the details that we know quite well from the other versions in the Gospel of Matthew and the Gospel of Luke. Still, Jesus' 40 days in the desert tempted by Satan, however it gets told, is a pivotal moment at the very beginning of the story of Christ's ministry of reconciliation and resurrection. If you ever stop by my office and look at the wall to the left of the bookshelf behind my desk, you will see one of my absolute favorite Christian icons, painted or more appropriately written by a Cistercian monk from the Abbey of Gethsemane in my home country of Kentucky. It's the icon of that story, Jesus' temptation, and it contains within it most of the components we just heard in just two sentences from Mark's gospel this morning. If you look at the icon, you see Jesus standing on a rocky outcrop there in the desert wilderness, looking across at a dark figure whose face is hidden by black angelic wings. Jesus is pointing upward toward God in heaven with his right hand. And the dark, eerie figure, who is Satan, is pointing downward with his right hand toward the physical earth and ultimately to the darkness from which he has came, which is hell. And just up in the left corner of that icon is a heavenly angel watching over Jesus with a cloth in hand, which I always assume is there to be used to wipe the sweat from Jesus' brow. Now, there are a few other parts of the icon that fit better with those other stories I mentioned from Matthew and Luke. But for Mark's gospel, that's really all we need to see. The only thing this icon doesn't have that we hear in the gospel this morning is the reference to wild beasts. Let's listen to that piece again, those two sentences from the Gospel of Mark, in which St. Mark writes, the Spirit immediately drove Jesus out into the wilderness. He was in the wilderness 40 days, tempted by Satan, and he was with the wild beasts, and the angels waited on him. It certainly doesn't tell us much more than that, does it? But I think What it reveals is just enough. So the question that we're left with from this is, why did Jesus need to be driven by the Holy Spirit out into the wilderness to be tempted for 40 days? We all know that Jesus does not fall to the devil's temptations, and there's no real reason to assume that Jesus would have in the first place. So what was the point? 
Well, I believe that in order for Jesus to be able to be fully human as well as fully divine, and in doing so to be able to help you and me through every struggle and temptation we face as human beings, Jesus had to experience that same moment of temptation. And regardless of the fact that Jesus' divine love and goodness would inevitably keep him from falling for Satan's temptations, in order for Jesus to be fully human like you and me, he still had to go through it. And by overcoming it, Jesus inspires us to do the same. And really, I fully believe there is something even more important than the individual temptations themselves in this morning's gospel reading. Something we need to take in, understand, and apply in our own life that made St. Mark decide that the very examples of what Jesus was tempted with in Matthew and Luke weren't even all that important. What St. Mark illustrates and points to more than anything else is Jesus' reconciling balance in the middle of his experience there in the wilderness. Jesus, just as he is in that icon hanging in my office, is standing there on the earth between heaven and hell. He is here on earth in the middle, resisting Satan's pull downward into the physical and material that eventually opens up to the abyss beneath it. And while he is standing with his feet on the ground, resisting the devil's downward pull, he is pointing upward towards what is greater, God, and towards the path beyond. St. Mark's gospel is the only gospel to engage this balance of Christ on earth between both the animal and the angelic nature of our own humanity. When in that final verse, the gospel tells us that Jesus was there with the wild beast and he was waited on by angels. Jesus, fully God and fully human, present with the very base and the material in the wild animals and tended to by the fully immaterial and the spiritual in the angelic forces. And he stands there representing that balance, not giving in to the material temptations, but also not completely floating off into the spiritual. Jesus is there to become the perfect balance of humanity and divinity. And he takes on that nature to show you and me what we ourselves were created to be in this world. Let us not forget what sin ultimately leads us to when we fall victim to it and commit sinful actions and behaviors. Sin in the English language is also related to the German word Zunda, S-U-N-D-E. And the German word Zunda also relates to the English word Sunder, S-U-N-D-E-R, or sundry, which means to divide and to separate. When something is ripped asunder, it is torn apart and separated completely. And so it is that sin ultimately is there to divide us from something within us that is essential and important and necessary. When we sinfully choose what we want over what we need, we damage and divide ourselves from what is healthy and good and moral. And if we divide ourselves for what we want over what we need, we lose balance, which leads to us eventually falling apart. Take that understanding of sin and now apply it to those things that tempt us to do what we know we shouldn't do. As most of us, I've already said, are giving up something that we are tempted to eat too much 
to save us indeed from throwing our body off balance and eventually following in, falling into something like obesity, diabetes, illness, or addiction. We know those things eventually will kill us. And so it is with sin, which separates and divides our material body from our spiritual body, unbalancing us and dividing us from becoming what God made us to be in the beginning when he created us in his own image. Brothers and sisters, the great example Jesus holds for us again this morning as we move into this new season of Lent is what true human health is, a physical body completely balanced and reconciled with its spiritual core, its soul. We are material beings housing within our bodies the spiritual forces that are there to draw us closer to God. We are tempted constantly today to separate ourselves from that spiritual interior of us that is so important. And so Jesus stands in the middle of the wilderness this morning to show us that if we can put our life's focus back on Jesus, that truly human and truly divine symbol, he can help us resist those temptations and we can beat down Satan under our feet and restore and reconcile ourselves to God. We can be with the wild beasts and still be tended by the angels if we just cling to Jesus first and let our faith balance everything out. Blessings to all of you as we journey through this desert of Lent together with Jesus. Amen.